The Lord our God consecrates us by his own word read and preached. Scripture reading number 1, Philippians chapter 2 and verses 1 through 11. So, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form literally of a slave, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And the second scripture reading, Matthew chapter 20 and verses 25 through 28, and let me make a little change in the words that are used here at certain points, because I want you today to appreciate the word, I think it's called a gerund, deaconing. A deacon is a noun, deaconing is a verb form. Jesus, Matthew 20, verses 25 to 28, Jesus calls his disciples to him and says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your deacon, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave even as the Son of Man came not to be served, that is to be deaconed too, but to serve or to deacon and to give his life a ransom for many. Let's pray together. Our wonderful God, God who is the God who serves, and especially who serves in the person of Christ, and we'll learn today that he remains one who serves from heaven itself. But for now, we pray that we would learn what it means that Jesus is the great servant, what it means that church officers are to represent his servanthood, and then, our Lord, what it means that we too are to be deacons in that general sense of the word. We pray that you'll do beyond what we could ask or think. For Jesus' sake, amen. In the pagan world, that is the pre-Christian pagan world, being a servant was not a good thing. Now, one of the old writers before the Christian era wrote, how can a person be happy when he has to serve someone? And even among the Jews who knew what it was to be delivered from bondage and from servitude, for the Jews to call someone a slave was one of the worst insults that you could hurl at people. In fact, you could be excommunicated from the synagogue for calling another Jew a slave. 
Then came Christmas. Jesus Christ was born, and that changed everything. Because Christ's whole life and ministry was the life of a servant, of a slave, of a deacon. And even now, there's a little different term used for it. It's a term used for deaconing or serving from heaven itself in the temple itself. It was the term used for service in the temple in the Old Testament. Jesus is still a minister. He's called a servant in the sanctuary in Hebrews 8 and verse 2. In other words, Christ's genetic makeup as the God-man is the genetic makeup of being a deacon, of being a servant. And the church is the standing statement of and display of that servanthood to all of the world. In other words, if you regarded the scriptures as audio, it's words, and you read about servanthood, the church is video. It shows that servanthood to all of the world. Well, this month at the Haven at Comac, we're having an emphasis on missions, and it's missions and the church. So we have heard from home missions. Uh, We will be hearing from Christian education and foreign missions. And if you will, these are the head and the hands and the feet of the standing statement of Christ's servanthood in the world, the hands and feet in in foreign missions and home missions, those who go and who serve hands and feet. And Christian education, if we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, here's the head that teaches us about servanthood. But there's also service in an official capacity in what are called in the church deacons. And if home missions and foreign missions and Christian education are hands and feet and head, well, the diaconate is the heart. It pumps oxygenated blood of servanthood through the whole body that we know of as the church. So here's what we're going to do today. Number one, we're going to look at Jesus as the great servant. And then number two, the church in its offices representing servanthood. We're not going to spend a lot of time with that. But then in the third place, the church in all of its members representing Christ's servanthood. If the Spirit of Christ is at work in you, you will be about the work of deaconing, of being a servant. And I hope that this message will convince you of that and also encourage you that servanthood is the most thrilling calling for any man, woman, or boy and girl in the world. So let's look at Jesus, who is the great servant. And here, the text that were read before you illustrate that in Philippians 2 and verse 7, the very heart of this text that may well have been used as, as one of the first Christian hymns. Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a slave being born in the likeness of man. Even though he was in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave being born in the likeness of men. Now, what that means, it's not that Jesus divested himself of his divinity when he came, he was the God-man, but he didn't, he didn't grasp that equality with God. He could have called down legions of angels 
to stop Pilate and what he did, but he didn't. He didn't grasp that. Rather, he he didn't use those divine prerogatives. He did certainly show his miraculous works, but in his service, he took the form of a bond slave. A bond slave means someone who has no rights of his own. When Jesus said, I didn't come for my own namesake or for my glory, but for the glory of my Father, I came not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me, that's Jesus showing that he is a slave, he is a bond slave of his Father, and that's the way he showed himself in the world. Then in Matthew chapter 20 and verses 25 and following, Jesus is contrasting to those who are going to have authority as apostles. He's saying you don't lord it over people the way the Gentiles do. Uh, you You don't exercise authority over them as little tyrants. He says it shall not be so among you. It's a very definite difference. But whoever would be great among you must be your deacon. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man, a term for Jesus as the Messiah, how he came into the world as the promised anointed one. He didn't come to be deaconed to. He didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And I want you to see Jesus, the servant, by his own word. Here's Jesus' ministry. He teaches, and he preaches, and he forms disciples. That's a lot of work. As any preacher can tell you who really preaches, it's a lot of work to preach accurately, to teach accurately, to form disciples, to correct what's wrong, to be gracious when your graciousness can be tempted, and to give the time that people need just so they can understand things. Jesus did that as a deacon as a servant. He was a slave of God. He did what his father would have him do. But to us, he is seen as as a, as a deacon, as a servant. He heals. He heals the sick, and he heals the lame, and he heals the blind. He heals the demon-possessed. And when you see that, you see the battle that's in view, when the demons resist Jesus, and he, as it were, fights against them in the power of the Holy Spirit. He does it as a servant, to those that he is healing and helping. As Jesus feeds the multitudes, he shows in in probably the most literal way what it was to be a deacon, because the word deacon has many ideas. It means to help people, to help them personally, to show love to them individually. But baseline, a deacon was a waiter on tables. Every time you see a waiter or a waitress who is adept at what he or she does, you notice the personal care they give you, the interest they give to you, the way they answer your questions, the way they correct anything if it's amiss, the way they fill your water glass when you need the water or bring you more bread if you need it. Those those are the marks, a waiter on table, a waitress on table, of what of what a deacon is in helping others, and Jesus did that. Now, it's in John chapter 13 that you see the, the, the supreme example of Jesus as both a slave and a servant. You come to verses 16 through 20, and, and Jesus, Jesus is washing the feet of his disciples. That was the work that only a slave did. 
that was that was regarded as as basically the worst of works to do is to be a slave washing the feet of others but jesus showed that he was a slave by doing that to his disciples but also as a deacon so so in and you should turn to john chapter 13 and beginning at verse 16 where jesus then makes application to to the disciples john chapter 13 and in verse 16 when he says truly truly and he says this is very important Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant, and here, here he uses the word a, a bond slave. The Greek, the Greek word is a, is a, is a doulos, one who, who gives up his rights uh, because he's under another master and he serves others. Uh, he says again, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger, that's what the apostles were, a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And and he says in verse 20, again, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send, what? The one that I send as a servant, one that I send as a deacon, receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. So there is, and all commentators in the history of the Christian church have noticed this, there is a matrix here in which serving God, serving God in Christ, and serving others, and, and having that service received as the service of Christ is the package deal, if you will, of what diaconal work is, of what it is to be a servant, to do exactly what Jesus says. Now, supremely, as you learn in Philippians chapter 2, Jesus, Jesus' ministry as a servant who gave up his rights to serve God and to serve others, it's supremely his going to the cross uh, that is the, dis- the demonstration of his servanthood. Beginning at verse 8, and being found in human form, he humbled himself. Now notice we're called to humble ourselves too in this text. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's the supreme example of his service. He gave his life even unto death that we might have life in him. That that That's, if you will, that's the mind that God would have in all of his people. That's why Paul begins this section by saying, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if you you want me really to be encouraged in my labor, if there's any comfort from love, from receiving the love God gives us, if there's any sharing in the Holy Spirit, if there's any affection, if there's any sympathy, complete my joy by having the same mind, what the mind of Christ, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, that means doing nothing, and the word means nothing, from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count, and I see the word, in humility, as Jesus humbled himself, you do the same. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Now watch what he says. Let each one of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others that's servanthood. Have this mind among yourselves, 
which is yours in Christ Jesus, is saying what? Individually, you have the mind and heart and will of a servant. The Lord is making you like Christ, brothers and sisters. You must have that mind in the nature of the case. Have this mind that is yours in Christ Jesus among yourselves, which means what? The church, the body body of God's people gathered locally or regionally or wherever. That body needs to be a living demonstration of the servanthood of Christ. So, so that's basically the idea. And, and notice the contrast here. Because as you go down in verses 9 through 11, it's precisely because Jesus humbled himself to the point of death that God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, who's still a servant, Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This, brothers and sisters, is the epitome of the great reversal or of which the Bible is full of great reversals, where servant Joseph becomes exalted in Egypt. Slave Daniel becomes second in command to Nebuchadnezzar. Job, who is humbled, is exalted. I mean, you see this theme over and over and over again in scriptures, the great reversal, and it applies to you as it does to Christ. The way up, the way to be great, is to be least among you. The way to grow up is to grow down and be like a child. So, so this is all in view with Jesus, the great servant, it, 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 and it's what he gives to you and expects you to be if you are in Christ by grace through faith. Now, that that brings us in the second place to something we're not going to deal with in depth because we deal with it when there's ordinations and officer training and so on. The church in its offices represents the servanthood of Christ. We're focusing on the church this month, missions is the work of the church. In the church, Christ displays his life and continues his ministry by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are groups called parachurch groups in which Christians will band together for doing various projects, and, and there's nothing wrong in those things. We are to band together and work with others, but there's no replacement for the church an organization, maybe an organization of Christians doing Christian things, is not the church. The church is an organization, the scriptures say. The Lord tells us that in Ephesians 1 in verse 22, he, the Father, put all things under the feet of Jesus and gave him as head over all things to or for the sake of the church, which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all. And commentators have spilt a lot of ink trying to explain what I think is ultimately unexplainable. The church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. God, Jesus, the fullness of Jesus, all of his work as the Redeemer, the one who brings new heavens and new earth into the world and, and displaces this fallen world with a new glorified world, with glorified people. 
That's the fullness, the fullness of grace, the fullness of goodness. And it's demonstrated now in his body, which is the church. This is why Jesus says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why uh, the Spirit speaks to the churches in the book of Revelation. And the Apostle Paul takes letters to Timothy and to Titus in particular to talk about how we are to conduct ourselves in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Okay, so so we're dealing now with the church in its offices representing servanthood. I'm fascinated by the resurgence of interest in tie-dyed shirts. Tie-dyed shirts were popular back in the 1960s, and if you were part of the counterculture, you wore tie-dyed shirts, and that comes by a piece of cloth that's wrapped in rubber bands. It's soaked in liquid, and then there's a dye that's put in that takes very bright patterns as the rubber bands are taken off, as the garment is dried out, and you have a tie-dyed shirt with very bright patterns. Well, if you think of the of the New Testament as a tie-dyed shirt, the bright pattern throughout is the pattern of deaconing, of servanthood. So the church and its offices. Uh, ministers are, are, are those that there's, there's elders in the church, and there's, and there's two categories of elders. There are those who all elders rule, but Paul speaks especially of those who rule by the word and teaching. And what that means is that Christ extends his rule by way of the teaching and the preaching of those elders who are set apart to do that work, and they're called ministers. And that ministry is a deaconing. It's a servanting. You'll learn that in Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, and I know there's debate about this, but but frankly, if Acts chapter 6 is not laying out the beginning of the diaconate or the deaconry in the New Testament, then the qualifications for deacons given in 1 Timothy 3 are kind of hung on a skyhook. And so so Acts chapter 6, where, where you read this language in those days when the disciples were increasing in number a complaint by the hellenists that that is by the 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 greek widows who were remaining in jerusalem after pentecost they become christians but their background was not was not uh, jerusalem and they begin to complain against the hebrews the indigenous hebrew widows in jerusalem because their widows the hellenistic ones were being neglected literally in the daily deaconing. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, and, and the translation is not right, is, is, is not the best. They said, it, it's not the best. It's not pleasing that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve or to deacon tables, to, to help out in this table waiting on the widows. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men, males of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the deaconing or the serving of the word. So so there's where you get the language for ministers. Some would call them teaching elders. Um, The the language of, of, of ministry or of service. And it's powerful work. It's the most essential work in the world. 
In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 18, the Apostle Paul speaks of the ministry or the deaconing of reconciliation. You're working with people, if they're outside of Christ, God is at war with them. Do you realize that? If you are outside of Christ, the wrath of God hangs on you. And the ministry of reconciliation is calling you to surrender to God, who holds out the terms of peace in the gospel of Christ. That's the most essential work in the world. It's the service of the bread of life. It's the service of the word of God. And the world should see Jesus serving when they see ministers serving the word and especially seeking to bring about reconciliation between man and God. Now, elders are also servants. They serve Christ's gracious government. The elders who rule well are worthy of double honor. And and you should see Jesus in that when elders make decisions, communicate decisions, when you when they speak to you about what the Word of God says, why the church, in light of the Word, does certain things, when they counsel you, they're doing that as shepherds. The Apostle Peter said, shepherd the church that is among you. And what is shepherding? Shepherding is bringing Christ's gracious rule to bear as the great shepherd of the sheep. And it's a ministry, that's a service in which you should see Jesus. But today, (laughs) we're focusing on the official office of the deacons. And that's what Acts 6 and verses 1 and following is about. Men are called out and they're given authority over the business of serving the poor. And in a broader sense, serving what we call the temporalities of the church, the, the building, the finances, the, the, and other things too. But, but these physical things, the deacons do, especially the ministry of mercy to others, okay? So, so, so deacons serve Christ's merciful deeds, and you should see Jesus in that. The Son of Man came not to be deaconed to, but to deacon and to give his life a ransom for many. And you should see that self-giving in ministers, in elders, and in deacons. In other words, if I could put it this way, the way of service is the way of the cross, and the pavement, the pavement on which you walk is precisely service to others, deaconing others. That's the way by which Christians make their way to heaven, and it is bearing the cross because it's connected with giving your life a ransom for many. Well, that brings us in the third place to the church in all of its members representing Christ's servanthood. And here, John 12 and verse 25, once again, John chapter 12 and verse 25 Jesus takes his foot washing and he makes the application to disciples. In fact, he says, you should do the same. Uh, Not necessarily literal foot washing, although some churches do practice that, but serving others. But in John 12 and verse 25, even before he washes the disciples' feet, he's preparing the way by saying, truly, truly. Notice he said that in John 13. Now he says in John 12, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat 
falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. What's he getting at? Whoever loves his life loses it. Do you realize our culture is destroying itself by its fixation on love for self, doing everything for yourself? You deserve it. You've worked hard for it. You've earned it. And looking out for number one is yourself. The Apostle Paul in neon, or Lord Jesus in neon lights, says, yeah, you live like that, you level your life, then you're going to lose it. But whoever hates his life in this world, and hates here doesn't mean to have animosity toward, but hatred can be used in the scriptures, is as treating as something second to your great love. Your great love is the Lord. The great love is the Lord Jesus. And second to that, you hate your own life in this world. And if you do that, you'll keep it for eternal life. What does that mean? If anyone deacons me, he must follow me, Jesus says. And where I am, there my servant will be also. There's the pavement of the cross, as Jesus serves, so do you. If anyone deacons me, the Father will honor him. And we'll see specifically how Jesus illustrates that in, in, in just a few minutes. But the point here is, this is the audio. This is what Jesus says. But brothers and sisters, our world needs to see this. It needs to see that servanthood. Now, let, let me take a moment to talk about our practice with what we call haven food and fellowship in Acts chapter 2 and verses 42 to 46. You have the Christian church devoted to the members bending their schedules so as not to miss the apostles' doctrine and the breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, and the fellowship and the prayers. And that's carried out as the text speaks about places where deaconing was done in literal meals. People had their meals in their own homes. They didn't have huge places to meet, and so they had like little house churches. They would have their meals in the home. If you have a meal, uh, ladies, you ladies who cook, you Marthas who is called a servant, you know that that's waiting on tables. It's servant, serving. That is a powerful means of grace to people. When people gather after worship at the Haven and after we have Sunday seminary, we have our food and fellowship on most Sundays, and people see the service of our ladies and men serving the food, cleaning up, but also serving as you sit and talk with people as Jesus did, ministering to people. And it's not just that, uh, but when you help single parents, we have single parents at the Haven, and this is tough. And you've taken vows when their children were baptized to encourage them. How do you do that? By asking how you can serve them, watching the children for a couple of hours so single mom can just get out and get a little break, or bringing a meal or helping out with a ride. That's serving. Or using the facility that the Lord has provided for us as a way to serve others. Your hospitality in the homes. Wow, that's waiting on tables opening your home to people. And in our own communities, in our own community of Comac, asking how can we show the service of Christ to these around us? So, so that's what we're getting at. That's the atmosphere. But notice that it's done to Christ when it's done to his people. 
Matthew 25, verses 34 to 40, I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you came to me. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was in prison, and you visited me. I love that, because we work with two inmates, and I love to be able to say, I get a call from Jesus twice a week from these inmates. Well, why do you say that? Well, because the people are quite surprised as they stand at the last day. The Lord has already put these on his right hand. These are the sheep, not the goats. The goats didn't do these things. But they ask, when when were you hungry and we fed you? When were you naked and did we clothe you? When when were you in prison and we visited you? And Jesus said, inasmuch as you did it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you did it unto me. Wow. Your service is ultimately unto Christ, especially when you are ministering to his chosen people, to your brothers and sisters in Christ. But it's also true when you minister to others because you're showing Christ to other people. Now, is that costly? It sure is. It costs you everything. That's why Jesus in Matthew 20 and verse 28 says, and to give his life a ransom for many. That's the way you show Christ by, well, by using your funds, using the things God's given you. Now, obviously, you've got to pay your own bills. You have to have your own clothes. I get that. But how much are you serving others with what God's given you? Is it tiring? Oh, yes. <laughs> My wife and I can attest to that. Serving others is very, very tiring. Why? Because you're giving your life. Now, now brothers and sisters, even Jesus took breaks. Multitudes around him, but he still was regularly withdrawing himself so that he might pray and strengthen himself in his God. But once you get that strength... You get out in the world and you show Christ. Yes, it's tiring, but he'll give you strength. Is it discouraging? Is it disheartening? Is it often thankless? Well, humanly speaking, yes. Even Jesus wasn't always thanked when he healed people. But still you show Christ. You show Christ to others. And I remind you, when you show Christ to others, you're showing the Christ who was despised and rejected of men, who said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Another act of service from the cross. And of course, you do it in his strength. But is it beautiful? It sure is, because it shows Christ. And that's what Philippians 2 is all about. Paul wants the encouragement, the joy, the comfort, the affection of having the mind of Christ the servant in the churches that he ministered to because servanthood shows Jesus. And Jesus says again in John 12 and verse 26, if anyone serves me, and you serve Jesus in his people, my father will honor him. What does that mean? Well, Matthew 25 again. Those of the Lord's people who demonstrated their faith by their works, they're justified, they're declared righteous 
by faith alone in Christ alone. But as James says, they demonstrate their faith by their works, particularly by the works of service, works of service unto Christ in his people. Jesus will say to them, well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that great? And so, brothers and sisters, that's that's what it's all about to be a servant. Now, let, now let me let me give you a, a, an illustration. Uh, this past week, I sent out a link to a video by uh, our missionary, our Orthodox Presbyterian missionary in Lviv, in Russia, and sixteen minutes and fifteen seconds of that amazing video show how the church in Lviv and others together working with them are taking crates, crates for Ukraine, and are using them to send to Christians throughout Ukraine, or they're ministering to people right there in Lviv. Uh, Pastor Hokobart, Hokobart is, is speaking to a woman on the street, and, and, and it's a remarkable picture for 16 minutes and 15 seconds of the work that they are doing serving others in Lviv. Last 15 seconds. Hero Hawkeboard says something like this. We want you to be encouraged by what Jesus is doing in Lviv. And that's it. The Spirit of Christ at work and the people serving there as a standing testimony to the existence of Christ, who Christ is, and what he is, are serving. They're deaconing. They're slaves of God. They're servants to the people around them. But they're deaconing as waiters on tables. And that's the work of Christ in the world. So may the Lord work in all of us. Do you have that spirit, folks? Do you have that desire, folks? Is it, does it throb in you? Yes, we're busy. I know that. And, and yes, there's all kinds of demands on that. I know that. But you're first of all a slave of God through Jesus Christ. You take his yoke upon you and learn from him. But that yoke is easy and that burden is light. Costly, yes. Tiring, yes. Discouraging at times, yes. But absolutely beautiful. What Jesus Christ is doing in the world through this church and through you. Let's pray. Lord, make us servants. Make us, we pray, to be bond servants of God, servants to the people around us, and to do it as deacons, as waiters and waitresses on tables. May we serve all that we see in one way or another, but particularly to your people. We're to do good to all people, but especially to those of the household of faith. And we pray our God that you would bless those labors so that people go from audio to video. They hear about Jesus from us, but may they see him in us. We ask to the glory of our majestic, glorious deacon, Jesus Christ. Amen.